welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me. Happy to be here as always. And if you guys are liking what you hear, be sure you click that follow or subscribe button. And don't forget to leave me a review or a rating. Would love to know what you're thinking. You can also find me on uh, Instagram, Speak a Dogcast, Facebook, Speak a Dogcast, or of course the website, speakadogcast.com. And we've got a great show lined up today. The first segment is going to be about communicating with your dog. Some of the concepts that go behind it first, got to talk about that. And then, of course, the mechanisms and tools that get us there, such as affection and touch, collars, leashes, treats. Those are the ways that we can communicate with our dog. And we're also going to talk about how we can communicate with them better. Yes. Then after that, we're going to have our breed of the week. Then comes our guest spot. And today's guest is private investigator Jamie Katz with Jamie Katz Pet Detective. Yes, we have a pet detective on the show today. It is a fantastic guest spot. It was wonderful getting to know Jamie a bit and hearing about her process and how she goes about saving, rescuing, and finding people's lost pets. Really good stuff there. After the guest spot, we're going to finish up with our listener Q&A. And if you guys have any questions for that listener Q&A, don't forget to email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Now, before we get going with the episode today, got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is, what is the largest breed of terrier? Now, I'll give you the answer to today's question somewhere in the podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy. Speak a Dogcast, it's all about communicating with your dog. Now, there's definitely different ways that we can communicate with our dog, whether we're using our leash and collars to communicate with them through touch, through body language, using food, affection. Uh, but really, when it kind of comes down to it, the way we communicate with our animals is through reinforcement and through punishment. Yes, now you've heard me talk about this before. Uh, I'm going to retouch on it, rehash on it a little bit because we've got to make sure we understand these concepts and these terms because really that's how you communicate with your dog, right? I can't just say, hey, buddy, go sit down, right? And the only reason a dog knows to sit is because we've paired a stimulus, we've reinforced a behavior, and that's why the dog chooses to sit, okay? So, you know communicating with a dog, I can't reason with them, I can't, so really, you know, for that matter, communicating with a child, guys, it's no different, or a human being, we use reinforcement and punishment all the time, you're at work, you get reinforced for doing your work, uh, you know, if you don't do your job, you're going to get punished for not doing your job, right, so, uh, you know, a reinforcement and punishment are used all the time to communicate, and it's really important that you understand these concepts because that's how we communicate with a dog. Through reinforcement, through punishment, using mediums such as food, body language, touch, leash, so on and so forth. Okay. So, again, we're going to just hash on the reinforcement punishment definitions for a moment here. Uh, but basic rule of thumb, basic rule of thumb, guys, we want to reinforce any desired behaviors in order to strengthen and have a more, uh, more of a likelihood of that behavior repeating itself. Then on the other side of it, we want to punish undesired behaviors to decrease them so there's less of a likelihood that those be undesired behaviors will repeat themselves, right? Okay, so the definition of punishment, we're going to start there again. Anything an animal works to avoid. Now, the fancy word for punishment is an aversive. So I like to remember that as anything an animal works to avoid, aversive, avoid. 
Okay. Now, punishments, once again, don't have to be anything physical. They don't have to be anything horrible. Uh, look, just withholding a treat. The dog wants a treat, and I withhold that treat. Believe it or not, that's a form of punishment because the dog works to avoid not getting the treat. <laughs> a little tricky there, but uh, but that's how it works. Like Again, the example I give and I've given before is I drive down the street, and I want to drive the speed limit because if I don't, I get a ticket. So the ticket is a form of punishment to me because I work to avoid it, okay? So it's very important that we understand that definition of punishment or an aversive. Anything an animal works to avoid, okay? So that allows me to communicate with my animal what I don't like, right? That's that's what punishment communicates. It's, it's to, again, to lessen behaviors, to decrease behaviors, uh, and that allows me to communicate, hey, maybe I don't like that behavior, right? Uh, so that's a form of communication. Punishment's a form of communication, yeah. Okay. Then we have reinforcement. Like I said a minute ago, reinforcement increases behavior. And uh, I'm going to roll through this kind of quickly. If you if you need some more broken down uh, versions of these definitions, because sometimes this stuff can get a little tricky, feel free to go back and listen to my segment on training tools. But I'm trying to run through this kind of fast to brush over it uh, so we can get more to the communication side. But we got to have that, again, basic understanding of these concepts in order to understand how that applies. OK. All right. So. Uh, reinforcement. We all know it. There's two types of reinforcement that we know. Positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. The definition of positive reinforcement is the addition of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. So therefore, the definition of negative reinforcement is going to be the removal of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. Okay, so what does this mean? Um, <laughs> gets a little confusing. But simply put, it's kind of like this. I sort of explain it like it's a fraction, okay? I have to have positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and punishment in order to gain or shape or get a behavior, right? Punishment's going to tell the animal what I don't like and decrease that behavior or the undesired behavior, right? Tell them the undesired behavior I don't like and decrease it. The removal of punishment is to negatively reinforce the behavior once they do something I like. And then if they continue doing that behavior, I want to add a stimulus to positively reinforce. Okay, so punish behaviors I don't like, remove the punishment in order to negatively reinforce the behaviors I do like, and then I add a stimulus, right? We're removing a stimulus and then adding a stimulus, negative reinforcement, then positive reinforcement in order to increase the likelihood or positively reinforce or increase that targeted desired behavior, okay? So again, you have to have all three. That's the rules of psychology. This isn't an opinion. This is a fact. This is the way this stuff works. You have to have all three. Whether you are realizing it or not, you are probably using punishment left and right to communicate with your dog. Whether you probably do realize it, you're using reinforcement to communicate with your dog, okay? So again, it's important that you understand those concepts to be able to communicate in a nice, cohesive, and healthy way with your dog. So those are the concepts, right? Reinforcement, punishment. So how do we apply those to those other things I talked about, like using a leash, right? We'll start there. So a leash is an extension of your arm, okay? It's going to be an extension of that communication, that your arm can provide by touch corrections or or even treats a little bit, but we're, we're going to stick to the stick to the leash here. Okay, so the leash becomes that extension and the collar as well. Now, I like to use a martingale collar for those of you who haven't heard. Uh, martingale collar, it's a great collar. Three fourths nylon, one fourth chain. The nylon part constricts when the chain pulls, and it's a very uh, healthy and um, humane way to correct dogs, and it's phenomenal. Great, great collar. I highly recommend you use it. So 
the martingale collar can do a couple things, right? Believe it or not, the collar can actually communicate to a dog what I like and what I don't like. Okay, it does both. It really does. Uh, but you have to know how to utilize it. Okay, uh, Most people kind of, well, if we have a regular nylon collar, most people end up letting the dog pull them down the street. That's, <laughs> that's what ends up happening. Um, and we're not using it in a very good way to, co- to communicate punishment and reinforcement to the dog. What I like, what I don't like. It's just not working. Okay. So what I can do is with a martingale collar, right, I can apply a little bit of pressure by pulling, constricting, and then very quickly releasing, right? Never pulling and holding, as I always say. With any constricting collar, we never, ever, ever want to pull and hold. That is not the correct way to use these collars, guys. You never want to pull and hold and let that tension tighten. I want to be in and out with it with a nip, in and out, in and out, tighten release, tighten release. And here's the thing, you're communicating with your dog in that moment. The tightening means punishment. The removal of the tension of the of the collar, the removal of the tightening of the collar negatively reinforces behavior, right? So I add a punishment, remove a punishment, add a punishment, remove a punishment, add a punishment, remove a punishment. The dog starts figuring out, oh, every time I do this one thing, there's a boundary, there's a punishment. But every time I stop doing it, the punishment disappears. Cool, I'm going to stop doing it, <laughs> right? Then we have a behavior to positively reinforce, okay? You're communicating with your dog all the time and you may not even realize it. Um, one example that I get a lot is when puppies jump on people and they tend to almost like pet them to push them down. Like, no, they say no really nicely and pet them and the dog jumps up on them again. And what they don't realize is they just positively reinforce that. They just communicated to their dog. Hey, I like what you did. Keep doing that. That's what they told them by kind of nicely and gently kind of, you know, guiding them down because you're really just giving them affection. And they're like, oh, I'm getting affection for jumping on you. Cool. I'm going to do it again. (laughs) Okay, so again, that's communicating with your dog, right? So by following the basic concepts of reinforcement and punishment, you can ask yourself, hey, am I communicating to my dog that I want them to keep doing this behavior? Or am I communicating to them that I want them to stop? Now, of course, whatever that behavior is, that's up to you on what rules you want to apply to your dog. What your rules are with your dog may not be the same rules with any with somebody else. And that's perfectly fine, right? It's your dog. Your expectations can be different. And that's perfectly fine, perfectly acceptable. Um, so you have to decide, is this behavior acceptable? Yes. Okay, I need to communicate with my to my dog that I want them to keep doing that. I need to communicate to my dog that I want them to do that again. I need to reinforce this behavior to condition, to strengthen it. So there's more of a likelihood that it will repeat. That's communicating with your dog. Understanding the science behind it, the concept, is the best way to communicate with your dog. Okay, so that leash, let's go back to it, right? The tightening of the collar says, I don't like what you're doing, or punishes a behavior, applies an aversive. Then to remove the, uh, excuse me, to remove the tension of the collar is to negatively reinforce the behavior. I just communicated with my animal what I want, and before you know it, they stop pulling, Okay. So we're communicating using that leash. The problem is most people don't think of the leash as a form of communication. They kind of just look at it as a restraint. And well, yeah, it is, (laughs) right? If the dog wants to pull you that way and you don't let them, well, that's a restraint. Um, That's a form of force. And we'll talk about that at another time. Um, But needless to say, you know, You're communicating with your dog all the time. Now, you may not be communicating in the way you want to, but you're communicating with them all the time, okay? So, 
That leash can be utilized to reinforce and punish behavior. Yeah, you heard me correctly. A collar can be used to reinforce and punish behavior. Not even using any traits. You can still reinforce behavior through negative reinforcement. Okay. All right. So how else can we communicate with our dog? Well, body language. You know, body language is important. There, there is something to it. Um, you know, how you hold yourself is definitely um, going to reflect upon your dog. Dogs tend to reflect back whatever energy you're giving. You know, actually, I was at a at an appointment earlier today, and we have a young puppy, and it's a retriever, and it's very mouthy, of course, because it's a retriever. <laughs> so we're trying to teach her to stop uh, being so mouthy and jumpy, too. She's little, so she's still really jumpy. And... You know, one of the things we had, I, I talked about with my client is the way we communicate with our body language, right? So if we're playing or we're trying to pet the dog and all of a sudden they start mouthing us and our hands are a little frantic and we're kind of all over the place and we're like, no, no, we're kind of reflecting chaos back at our dog and the dog ends up, right? Everybody knows that the dog ends up reflecting chaos right back and maybe starting to bite more or growl or it accelerates. But instead, if it starts mouthing me while I'm trying to pet it, and I just stiffen up my hand and say, no, right? Then my body language is communicating, oh, wait, you stopped petting me. Why'd you stop petting me? It makes the dog think about what they're doing. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, every time I go to bite you, you stop petting me and tell me no. But every time I stop biting you, you, you start petting me again. Oh, cool. Maybe I'll just stop biting you. I'd rather just get pet. Okay, so even just something like that with body language can communicate to our dog what we like, what we don't like. Now, of course, when we're out on the walk and you're carrying yourself, you want to be confident in the way you have your shoulders back. And there's all that good stuff, too. So confidence and acting confident and making sure you're standing up straight. You're not trying to bend over to your dog and give them every little piece. Of shoveling. I, I kind of call it like, you know, I mean, you know, spoon feeding them information, right? We don't want to be spoon feeding everything down their throat. I want to be up here standing up giving nice, clear, crisp communications with my body language, that my body language is calm, relaxed, but confident, okay? And that can go a long way. Now, I can even use my body language where, you know, when we're teaching a dog to sit, for example. Um, a lot of times you can, when you're leashing them up and you're teaching them to sit, just kind of taking one step in toward them, right? Forces them sort of to back up and it forces them into a sit a little bit, right? Kind of that body language, that that me kind of stepping into them pushes them into a sit. So I can even use my body language to start teaching them some commands. Okay? So there's all these different ways that we can communicate with animals, but when it still comes down to it, we're still using reinforcement and punishment, right? Okay? So then we have touch. Now I've talked about touch before, and especially when dogs are young, touch is such a powerful tool because it's so instinctual to them. That's how mom communicates to her puppies a lot, right? She noses them around. She'll use nipping and biting to correct bad, or excuse me, undesired behaviors that she doesn't like. Um, so that touch correction, I'm not going to hone in on that too much today, but touch correction is definitely one way we can correct behaviors. Now, of course, touch is also affectionate, right, guys? Petting, loving, scratching, giving your dog a good scratch behind the ear. My 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 go-to spot is right on the top of the butt, right? <laughs> I was in the dog park the other day, and I had a dog loving me because I know all the good all the good scratch spots, um, you know. And uh, it, the touch touch is such a such an instinctual thing that they cue into. Okay, so not only do we want to utilize it for corrections, but I want to utilize it for affection as well. Of course, absolutely. Um, when you think about it, even something like grooming your dog with a brush, that's touch. 
that's touch affection. And it's good that we do those things because, again, it's something that they know how to naturally cue into and they really understand. So I can use that touch for affection. I can also use it for corrections, right? Little nips to the neck, to the hinds in a safe and mild manner. Now we also have food. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I, if somebody throws food in front of my face, I'm going to listen up. Um, so you can communicate with me with chocolate cake and steak anytime, you know. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Uh, but yeah, food is another, of course, it's another way we communicate with animals. So, you know, and briefly touch on it that food is what we call primary reinforcement, right? Now, affection can communicate with our dogs too, but affection is what we call secondary reinforcement. Can a dog survive without your affection? Yes. Is their life going to be as enhanced? No. We want to give them affection, right? But can but can they survive without it? Hierarchy of needs. Do they need affection to survive? No. However, do they need food to survive? Yes. So food is what we call primary reinforcement. Um, affection is secondary reinforcement. So therefore, food is always going to speak volumes over our affection. So it's going to be a really good communicator. It's a great way, once again, instinctually, I mean, every animal on this planet has to eat. <laughs> uh, that's why we use food when we train animals. I mean, look, I've trained a wide variety of species, and um, when we're training hawks, yeah, we're using pieces of mice. We're using mice to train them. Uh, when we're training a pig, we're going to eat some pig food and some lettuce and veggies and fruits and all that kind of good stuff. We use food for every animal because it's a form of primary reinforcement. It's going to always speak up, <laughs> if you will, speak volumes above everything else. So it's important that I utilize food in a good and healthy way that I'm communicating with my dog that food is a good thing. Uh, I can use it as a form of reinforcement and I'm using it to increase, reinforce and, and uh, get better desired behaviors. So food is a really good way to communicate with your dog, but you have to know how to utilize it. You know, I say to my clients all the time, what is reinforcement? And you know, sometimes they'll go, oh, a treat. And I'll say, well, a treat is a type of reinforcement, but no, a treat on its own is not just reinforcement. Okay. Well, I usually ask what, excuse me, what's a type of positive reinforcement is what I like to ask. Uh, because that usually throws them in immediately when we hear positive reinforcement, we think, oh, food, something they love. It's a treat. That's what positive reinforcement is a treat. No, uh, positive reinforcement is the addition of a stimulus in order to increase a desired behavior. A treat can be a form of positive reinforcement, but a treat by itself is not. Again, important that you understand these concepts of reinforcement and punishment. Cause I like to ask my clients, what is food? What is it? What is food? What is food to a dog? And if you can't answer that question, then you don't even know the tool you're using. Okay, it's really important that you understand the tools you're using and how those tools are utilized to communicate with your dog. Um, so again, it doesn't matter whether I'm using a leash and collar to communicate. I can use a leash to get uh, communicate a form of consequence or punishment or a form of reinforcement. We can also use body language and touch, making sure we are giving off confidence. We want to reflect confidence and, and happiness to our dogs. And so we can do that using our body language. And of course, those touch corrections, yes, we can use touch as a form of correction. But also, as we all know, of course, everybody knows this, we can use touch as reinforcement. And it's important that we utilize touch on both sides, the, the form of consequence punishment side, as well as the affectionate side. Okay, both of those are so important. 
We can also use food. But at the end of the day here, guys, when it comes to communicating with your dog, you have to understand the concepts of reinforcement and punishment. Because in reality, that's what you're using to communicate with your animal. Okay, I've talked about it before. You may be unknowingly reinforcing undesired behaviors. Okay. You may be unknowingly punishing desired behaviors. Unfortunately, I see that a lot. And again, it's more just a lack of understanding of what reinforcement and what punishment is. And for that matter, how a dog interprets those concepts, right? Um, so I see it all the time where people are misusing these things because they just don't understand the concepts. And then they have a lack of communication with their dog. They get a, a wall in their communication with their dogs. And I think at the end of the day, when I walk into most people's homes, that's actually the problem. They don't know how to communicate with their dog. And if you really want to understand how to communicate with your dog, you absolutely must understand the, uh, understand the concepts of reinforcement and punishment first. And then, of course, how we utilize those concepts through food, body language, touch, uh, leash, collar correction, so on and so forth in reinforcement. Okay collar corrections and collar reinforcement, using the collar's reinforcement. Uh, but it's important that you understand the concepts and then you can apply the tools to help create better communication with your dog. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the largest breed of terrier? It's the Airedale Terrier. Yes, at roughly 23 inches in height, and that's the males, and anywhere between 50 to 70 pounds, the Airedale Terrier is going to come in as the largest. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Poodle. Now, the poodle, they're a member of the non-sporting group, and males can get from 60 to 70 pounds, females anywhere from 40 to 50 pounds. These guys, you know, they kind of get a bad rap, don't they? Sometimes they're kind of thought of as maybe being a little bit of a sissy dog or a grandma dog, but you know something? They are athletic, they're eager, and they're highly intelligent. They really are a versatile dog that have great size and strength and all-around athletic abilities. But of course, that's going to mean that they need regular exercise. Yes, that's an absolute must. But the good news is they enjoy a wide variety of activities, so keeping them busy shouldn't be too hard. Poodles do have some health issues to be aware of, such as hip dysplasia, eye disorders, uh, idiopathic epilepsy, and von Willebrand's disease. Now, of course, the standard poodle size is also more at risk for bloat. Now, we know that the poodle comes in the standard size, the miniature size, and the toy size. Now, despite the fact that the poodle is closely associated with and also the national dog of France, the French poodle is a misnomer as the poodle was actually developed in Germany. The breed name is derived from the German word poodle or poodlen, which means to splash in water. The poodle was originally bred as a water retriever and hunting dog uh, beginning around 400 years ago. And they had great ability to cut through the water, and they had those have those uh, thick, curly coats, and that protects them against the elements. So they became an ideal dog for water retrieval. Now the shaved, uh, shaved legs and necks are poodle cuts as we know them. They're not just for fashion, right? These cuts, or and with the rounded tufts, now the tufts are actually called pompons, P-O-M-P-O-N-S, not unlike the cheerleader pom-poms, right? Uh, but the tufts, they're called pom-poms. They were originally designed to protect vital areas of their anatomy from the cold, but letting them keep free range of movement in the water. 
The Poodles, being the versatile breed they are, they made their way into the homes of Europeans and eventually Americans as well. They do make great companion dogs, and quite a few notable people have actually owned Poodles. Elvis Presley was quite fond of the breed, keeping them as pets, and even frequently giving them to girlfriends as gifts. Now, other famous Poodle owners have been Elizabeth Taylor, Jackie Kennedy, Lucille Ball, Marilyn Monroe, Katherine Hepburn, and Walt Disney. tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Boggs. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Up on Speak a Dogcast, it is our guest spot. And today's guest is private investigator Jamie Katz from PI Jamie Katz LLC. So please help me welcome to the show, private investigator Jamie Katz. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you. And uh, thank you for being here. I'm so glad you could take some time out and chat with us because, you know, I think it's going to be fascinating to find out more about what you do. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and enlighten everybody and tell them a little bit about what you do. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I help uh, people with missing pets. Uh, when their pets go missing, they call, and if, if there's something I can help with, we do. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm a private investigator, and I find lost, missing, stolen pets, and I guide uh, my clients through the case so it's a little bit easier, a little bit less frantic, and um, just guide them through step-by-step. Step. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a... I mean, horrible thing and a difficult time for anybody to go through. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, it's it's actually kind of funny because I came like I was telling, you know, I was telling Jamie, I came across her information um, not only when she had put up a flyer, well, many flyers, many posters in the area about a missing dog, but um, also on my local phone, I actually got a robocall about it, too, which I just thought was so neat um that they are able to try to tackle from so many different angles on trying to find these lost pets so uh, i found that interesting and that's why i wanted to reach out to her and have her on and so you know tell us a little bit about the process of you getting that initial phone call to what you guys do to get out there and how how you bring people's pets back to them yeah so um the phone call is going to come in and you know i'm gonna profile the case it's you know pretty much who what when where how um, you know, is the pet, you know, a shy or a friendly animal? Um, that's really the biggest part with uh, finding a lost pet because the profile of the case, you know, how that animal is going to react to people is really going to be in the end how you find the animal. Because if you have a super friendly dog that's going to run up to anybody and just jump in their car, well, then you know you have an animal that's going to get picked up most likely. So your strategy for that is going to be, I want my dog back or I want my cat back. 
you know, I'll, I'll give you whatever the amount is for that specific breed, but I want, you know, my pet back. And for a super friendly animal that you know is going to get picked up, you know, that is the strategy that we go for. Um, I know that there are some people that have a little bit of a problem with that, but they're not in South Florida. So South Florida, we're in a different area. We have a lot of scams here. We have a lot of people who find pets and want to keep them because they're cute or because they want to give them away or they want to sell them. They want to make money. So in South Florida, the cases here are a little bit different. Um, but yeah, so if you have a super friendly dog or cat, you do want to offer a reward amount, um, have that person imagine what they can buy with that money. So you get that phone call. Um, I come up with the reward amounts based upon what that animal costs. So if you have a French bulldog and you live in Miami, well, what does a French bulldog cost in Miami to buy? You know, that's how I'm going to go off of a reward amount, which is what I do for, you know, any kind of breed specific, you know, animal. Um, but so, yeah, so once we find out, are they super friendly? Are they going to go to anybody? Going to have a reward amount. If there's a shy animal, then most likely it's just going to have the word reward because people are already going to chase an animal when they see a sign, you know, um, you know, even if it's a shy dog and it says, do not chase, they're going to go, they're going to chase them because that's your first instinct. Yeah. But when you have a shy dog, you know, you don't want somebody to chase as much as they would if there was an actual reward amount on that sign. Cause then it's like, go, go, go. But if you chase an animal, you know, they're going to go further. You know, they're going to go into a road, you know, they're going to go in something just going to go further than you want them to. So that's the difference with shy and, and friendly animals. Uh, for cat cases, I definitely uh, do a reward amounts for pretty much all of my cat cases. And the reason I do that is because there are so many cats, whether it's because they're indoor outdoor cats um, or because uh, colonies, uh, stray cats, just cats in general, there, there's so many people don't pay attention when you're driving or you're walking and you see a cat. So if you see a sign every fourth mile and it has a reward amount and it's this orange cat, $500, and you keep seeing that same sign and then you see an orange cat, you're going to say, oh, wow, wait, I'm going to call that number. Yeah. Granted, even in the end, if you don't want that money, you're still going to call because it's it got your attention. You know how serious the owner is to find their pet. And it just it does make you, you know, put a little bit more of interest into it and especially with kids too and you know kids will run right around their bikes all day long looking for an animal when you say a reward amount on there but mm -hmm. so once once i have the who what when we're how figure out you know what's going on a lot of people when they call they do believe that believe that their animals were stolen um, most of my cases are not stolen um, i was actually counting through like i think i'm on like case 700 now and out of the 700, I, I think I probably only have maybe less than 20 that were that were actually stolen. Oh. Um, so, you know, everybody does think their animal is stolen because they don't understand, well, why is my pet missing? My pet's never gone missing before. I've had him for 10 years. He's never wandered off. He's never, you know, somebody must have stolen. But, you know, I get these phone calls every day, all day. So there are things that happen, whether it's because of the loud noise, you know, went off yeah. or a palm tree piece fell down or, you know, a car screeched its 
brakes on and scare them or just there's so many different reasons why an animal that typically wouldn't go missing or because the pool guy left the gate open. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so many different reasons that, you know, once I go through a case, I can say, okay, well, this is what it really sounds like is going on. So this is going to be the best service for you, uh, at least to start with. Um, I do like to start my cases with an off-location awareness campaign. Uh, What that is, is um, I make them a sign. It's an 11 by 17. It's colored, laminated, five mil, which is the thickness of the sign, the lamination, so that we're talking, you know, waterproof, weatherproof. It's a hard sign. It's it's not going to roll. It's not going to get, you know, fall down in the rain. And it's going to pop out because you're going to staple it to a wooden stake. And you're going to zip tie it around the pole. So you're going to make it impossible for people to not see your sign when they're driving. So that that's the whole thing is I make them the sign. I send it to the sign shop. And then I tell them where every single sign goes. So this way, we're going to make it impossible for anybody to come in or out of a certain mile radius of where your pet went missing and not have to see a sign. Now you're going to get every call for any dog that looks similar to your dog or your cat. So it's going to be a matter of getting the photos, being able to get in front of these live calls that you get. Because when you have all the signs up, you're going to get live calls. You're not just going to get social media calls that come in a day later or four hours later. You're going to get, I see your your cat, I see your dog right now. And you'd be able to get in front of them. And that was exactly the call that came in for the, the King Corso case that you're talking about that happened where up where you live mm-hmm. is that he got the call i see your dog and then i think uh i think the um was it the sheriff the, or the it was the police or the sheriff or yeah that got involved and it was they were ended up getting the dog right off i think the exit ramp uh it was probably like um almost two miles maybe south of where the dog went missing from but that was a crazy case because uh, I think the dog was at a boarding facility or a training facility, and he actually jumped. He, like, escaped from the actual kennel, like, ruined the kennel, got out of it, and then ended up jumping through uh, a hurricane-proof window and then scaling, like, two six-foot walls and escaping the property and then just wow. going from there. And that's how he got out of there. and. The owner lived like two, three, three hours away. So it was one of those situations where it was, uh, it's difficult when, when you don't live somewhere, but anyway, so yeah. So, um, those are the different cases, you know, once the signs are up and you start getting calls, anytime you get a call, you're going to call me and I'm going to tell you what to do as the calls come in. So this way you have the best guidance, you have the best tools. I'm not going to let you get scammed by somebody saying they have your pet because that is super big here and everywhere, but much bigger in South Florida. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's a little bit less frantic, a little bit, you know, easier to navigate and you just don't waste time on calls that have nothing to do, you know, with your dog, I think, or cat. Um, I think the case that you got the call on, he ended up, now I, I did tell him, don't spend too much time on this call because it it didn't seem it it sounded different he ended up uh somebody called and said oh i think i saw your dog passed away in the road 
and some prison workers were carrying it uh, out of the road or I guess, you know, they have people from the prisons who clean up the roads and they said, oh yeah, I saw something being carried away. And then the woman said, oh my God, you know, there's a, there's a place in the middle of the field. It looks like it was just buried. Something was buried there. You have to dig it. And I'm like, oh no. So when this woman, when I talked to her, she goes, oh yeah, your client's here. He, he's digging the hole in the ground. He's digging up the grave. And I texted him and I said, look, I said, please. I said, do not spend more than, you know, 10 minutes there. If there's nothing there, please keep going. And there was nothing there. And it was just one of those things though, but you can't, um, you know, you want to be compassionate about it and you want to help them. But, you know, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to get through because it's so in the moment and it's like, my dog is buried here, but it wasn't the case, you know? So, yeah. So I'm going all over the place with this because it's, uh, (laughs) there's so much with it. But that, that's pretty much what it is. And, you know, then I do have tracking dogs. Yeah. So what I do with the dogs is, um, you know, depending on the case, depending on the circumstances, um, what my dogs do is I have scent-specific air scent dogs, okay? So I'm going to give them the scent of the animal that's missing, and they're going to build a perimeter of how far scent travels, okay? I never want people to think they're going to just walk up and find their missing pet when we're there. It's not that easy. It doesn't work like that. Um, If it works like that with other people, that's awesome. It doesn't work like that with my dogs. We work Hmm. in areas where we are on the streets in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, you know, where we have canals and every street, we cannot go through people's backyards. Um, We can't go through people's properties. Air scent is the way that my dogs track so that this way we can jump ahead. We can do scent scans and, you know, we can start tracking. And then if somebody says there's a sighting, we can go to that sighting. We can check it. If it is our animal, they'll start tracking. If it's not, they're not going to go anywhere. They're scent specific only to the scent that I give to them. So it's very helpful in being able to jump ahead. Um, It's also helpful because I don't go in swampy areas. I don't go in preserves. Um, I don't put my animals in danger. I don't put myself in danger. I don't put my clients in danger. So there, there is a lot that, you know, the, the safety reasons with my dogs too. I mean, they're, they're not just working dogs. They're my family, you know, as well. So, yeah. you know, but once you get the perimeter and you know how far scent travels, you can blow your sign campaign up again, and then you're going to get more targeted calls in the area that you have scent as well as you can expand out, you can put more in, but it's really going to be all about getting all the phone calls of, of, of that targeted area. So yeah, once we have the perimeter sent, it's usually going to be one of a few things. One, the animal's roaming within the perimeter that we have sent. Two, the animal was picked up and put into a vehicle and then driven away. Once an animal's put into a vehicle and driven away, we don't have scent to follow. Yep. Okay. Uh, so that that's another reason why when you have a super friendly dog, it doesn't make sense to just jump out there with tracking dogs because your dog's going to get picked up very quickly. So sometimes, you know, there there are certain cases they help, but for for a situation like that, it's not all the time that you know you, you're going to have a vehicle pickup and you're still going to have to get your signs up. So it just makes sense to start with the signs to begin with if you have that super friendly animal. 
Uh, but then you have the third option is going to be that something happens, you know, within that perimeter, um, whether it's the animal ran into an accident, you know, either with, uh, you know, I call the cars here predators, uh, the people here are predators too, but cars, people, animals, uh, different things that can happen. Um, but those are usually the different options that you're going to come out with once you have your animals, my animals track and we have scent and we figure out how far it goes going to blow up the sign campaign again so you can get those more targeted calls sure cool so you have what four dogs and two of them you use for tracking right sure. yep okay cool yeah. and what are what gable, are, and fletcher. gable and fletcher those are your tracking dogs and what are your other two dogs there are these they're, <laughs> they're my i call them my aruban mongrels uh they they i was on vacation in aruba like 10 years ago and um, let's just say I didn't end up having vacation. I ended up meeting the only only animal control officer in Aruba and spending the whole week going on rescues every day. It was the coolest thing ever. Um, but we, they ended up uh, being left outside of a trash can of the animal control officer's house at the end of her driveway. And um, that's how I ended up getting them. I took them back with me to Baltimore to adopt out foster fail. So 10 years later, I still have them, Arabella and Vega, and they're my Aruban mongrels. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they're not, they're not going to be tracking. Uh, they don't, no. No, they are not. Tra- they are shy dogs. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you put them in the car, they're going to throw up. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> if it rains out, they're going to be in the closet under the bed. So, yeah, no, oh, they're boy. not. They're not tracking dogs. No, they're, so. not, they're not for that life. No. No. They are not. <laughs> oh my so. gosh. And you know, yeah. I, I, I want to make sure I point out uh, your website. It is jamiecatspetdetective.com. And that's cats with a K, K A T Z. And you know, I was looking around the website, and one of the statistics I really found interesting, um, and I may get it wrong here, <clears throat> but it was what, 16% of missing dogs, or um, excuse me, of dogs that go missing in the U.S., only 16% on average are returned to their owners, and you have a return rate of, uh, remind me? We're at like 66 67% right now. That's awesome. But let me tell you, though, there, you know, I, I talk to people about that all the time, and, you know, because they always say to me, well, what's your success rate? And statistic-wise, that out of the 700 cases we've had, yes, that's our, our success rate, but... I tell everybody, anybody can hire me, but if you don't follow the plan, if you don't follow the instructions, if you don't answer every phone call, if you don't jump up to go check every sighting, then you're not going to have that, that success rate. You're not going to have that chance, you know? So it's not just about, Oh, you know, hiring somebody to go out and find your pet. It's about being involved and taking ownership of what we're doing because I mean, I can't be all over, you know, Florida or everywhere at once, you know, I guide my clients through the process. And I think that's the most important part of it because I I do have a lot of people call me and they're like, wait, so you just tell me where to put the signs and and I pay you this money and you just tell me where to put signs. And I said, well, you know, you can take it like that, but it's definitely not that it's a, a step-by-step process i help you set this case up so that you have your case set up correctly to make you 
be able to get every call for any animal that looks similar to your pet within that few mile radius of where they went missing. And the most important part is that guidance, because I'll tell you, I, you know, I had, when I first moved to Florida, I, I had an accident, um, with my own cat that I had since I was 18 and I was 29 at the time or 30. So I had her for like, you know, 12 years or something or, you know, and I moved to Florida two weeks later, I had met this friend and we were going to take our dogs to this dog festival or this, to this festival. And we were going to bring the dogs. And I had my, the two girls from Aruba and he had his two big dogs and, um, he came over and, you know, we decided, Oh, let's not take the dogs. It's too hot for them. And we'll, you know, we'll leave them here and then we'll come back in like an hour or two. We'll take them to the dog beach, you know? So, I put my dogs, I had this big Great Dane kennel and cause they're, you know, 20 pound dogs. And I put them both in their Great Dane kennel and I had my cat precious that I had for, you know, 12 years. And, uh, I didn't even have my stuff unpacked. I still had boxes everywhere. And I remember asking him, Hey, you don't think your dogs are going to like get into the boxes and choke and anything. And that was all I was thinking of, you know? And, um, he was like, Oh no, they'll be fine. So, you know, I, we left. And five minutes later, he was said, oh, you know what? Let's take the dogs. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so we went back five minutes later and it was too late. Uh, his dogs had already attacked my cat and um, it was five minutes. And I ended up, you know, having to put my cat down that day. And I, the it was just the most frantic, um, the f- most frantic uh, experience I could tell you because I couldn't use my phone. You know, I... I Two weeks into Florida, I had no idea where I was. I didn't know where the emergency hospitals were. I didn't know where I was. I couldn't get my GPS to work. I couldn't use my maps. It was like, it's like you're useless. You just, you can't figure out what to do and you can't get your thoughts straight. And it's just something that like, literally like it paralyzes you, you know? So the whole thing with getting into this work is I understand the franticness of what these people are going through. And to have somebody who can guide you step by step and tell you exactly what to do every step of the way. And it's the most important part of this is the guidance because you can't think, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. You you get in a moment like, you know, it's funny that when a dog goes missing like that, you know, like you said, there's a, a, a myriad of different reasons why a dog might go missing. And what happens is it sends them into fight and flight mode. And people don't really think about it like this, but when your pet goes missing, you go something like that happens, you yourself go into fight and flight mode. And right. you're not thinking logically. You're not thinking right. with reason. And that's such a valid that's such an amazing point that, you know, it, it you provide <clears throat> to me not only that 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 structure, but to me there's there's this yeah. plan there. And you know, this is what yeah. I, it's what I, you know, it's funny. There's a little bit of a parallel that I tell my clients the same thing. I walk in, <laughs> I walk into a uh, house and I go, all right, you need to walk your dog. And they go, I'm going to pay you to tell me to walk my dog. I go, well, look, it's more than that. Uh, yeah. But that's just it. Stick to this plan and you'll be amazed at the outcome. You know, right. you're an expert in your field. I'm an expert in my field. We've seen this, our, our what we've seen in our profession, we've seen it a thousand times. And right. it, you're, it's no different that your your profession is very much based on patterns and you learn from those patterns and you understand those patterns and you understand mm-hmm. how to recognize them, how to formulate a plan off of them and how to get, like you, know, you said, get ahead of it. Exactly. Um, you know, yeah. 
And people don't realize that that's what you're, that's what you pay for when you hire an expert. Right. Imagine that, right? Yeah. Expertise. Crazy. It doesn't mean I'm uh, going to come to your house and walk your dog three times a day and feed him and like make him, I mean, no, like I'm going to teach you how to do it. People, you, you have got, to follow the plan. Oh, thank you. That's what it's about. You got, you know, so many people think, and again, I stress this all the time. I don't know if I've ever said this before. Listeners, anybody out there ever hear me say this? Uh, my job isn't to train people's dogs. It's to change their perspective on what a dog is, right? Um, yep. If you're hiring me to train your dog, then you should just give me your dog. <laughs> like, just give me your damn right. dog, because clearly you, you right. shouldn't. You shouldn't same have thing it. I right? tell people, I'm not the owner. I don't own your animal. You this is it. your pet. You love your pet the most. Nobody in this world loves your animal the way you do. Nobody's gonna put the effort into what you're doing to find your pet than you. Yeah. So, do it. <laughs> do it follow it it may it, it may sound silly it may why is the sign two miles away this makes no sense just do it exactly. follow the plan because in the end you're gonna have the best chance in the world to find your pet if you follow the plan just like you yep. if you follow your plan you're gonna have the best chance to get the behavior that you want out of your pet and Gain fix success. whatever's wrong yeah. and fix whatever's wrong with the owner as well so yeah. That's what it is. Just exactly. follow the plan. Exactly. You know, and, and again, it, your your website, your testimonials say it. It's, it's people, I, I can hear it. Some people go, well, it sounds like you don't care. No, you, she definitely cares. If she didn't, she wouldn't be doing this for a living. And she right. wouldn't have formulated this amazing plan that gets statistically success. Imagine that. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so I love it. I love it. You know, it, it, it really... Um, it emphasizes the importance of what you do and and what you bring to the table, and I think that's just really cool. And your job is just so unique. I mean, again, I got well, cool. Like, you're a pet detective. <laughs> I just love it. You know, you, you know how it happened, right? What you're getting into it? How, yeah, well, you know, well, I I, got, re I read your story, but should, please share. Well, I don't know if the real stories on the internet. Well, maybe but not. I got okay. Scammed. I got scammed. Um, my friends, my my old neighbor's friend, my my friend slash my old neighbor. Her cat went missing. I went on Craigslist to try to find the cat and I found, and I was already interning as a PI at that time. Um, and I saw an ad on Craigslist and it said, we're private investigators. We find lost uh, dogs, cats, and gerbils. And I'm like, that is so stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, but they it said, oh wait, hold on. Let me, let me rephrase that. It said, we find lost dogs, cats, and gerbils using tracking dogs. And I was like, that's stupid. That is so stupid. And then my second thought was, let me call them. <laughs> and um, so I couldn't get them on the phone. I had to email them, which red flag number one. If I can't call you, the red flag number one. But I didn't know anything about red flags at that point. Um, so I contact them an email. I get a call back. And they're like, okay, yeah, we're on our way. I'm putting my dogs in the truck right now. And blah, 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 blah. And, uh. We waited and this, she never showed up and we waited for hours. Like we had, like, it wasn't even my cat. You know, I went to the bank and I w like went negative my bank account to help my neighbor. It wasn't even my cat. And, um, you know, just that, that feeling of just waiting, like for, you know, for that hero to show up and that's going to help you. And it's going to help you find your, your lost cat, your lost pet, you know, and they never showed up and, then hours later, I call back and I'm like, hey, uh, what's going on? And uh, she said, oh, well, you know, um, 
I'm 95 is shut down. You know, I had to pull over because I'm on the phone with you and I can't drive and talk on the phone with my dogs in the truck at the same time. And I said, okay, so let's get off the phone and get back on, get, start driving again. Oh, well, 95 is shut down. I said, you're in Boca. I said, you can go around. And she goes, oh no, I'll be there at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And it's like, what are you gonna do? Like, are you with them? No, because you're like, you're you're like desperate waiting for these people. So, okay, fine. See you at nine tomorrow. Nine o'clock the next day, she calls again. I'm on my way, I'm on my way. Never showed up. That's day two. And then again, day three, 9 a.m. calls. I'm on my way, I'm on my way. Never showed up. And it was just like the most horrible, like again, it wasn't even my cat, but it was the most horrible feeling because I just went through losing my cat, you know, in a different way, but still I lost my cat. And um, I remember uh, my neighbor, she found her cat on the third day, hiding under the house next door. Actually, the cat was being held hostage by a feral cat in the neighborhood named Bubbola. <laughs> Nobody knew who Bubbla was until like years later, this all came into place and the cat had a name. It was a bully cat and um, it pretty much didn't let her cat, Honey, move for three days. Yeah. And the only reason we ended up getting the information was because our neighbor at the time, Nina, lived in the house next to the apartments we lived in. She thought that somebody was trying to break into her house late at night. Uh, in the back of her like back porch, back patio. And, well, it wasn't anybody trying to break into her house. It was a cat fight, you know? And so, <laughs> and so that's how we got the information that, Hey, your cat could be under the house. And, you know, my friend crawled under the house and then like, it's like you crawl under, then there was like another room and then you had to go on. It was so oh crazy, gosh. but th there was the cat in the corner, honey. And then there was Bubba like in front of the cat, not you know so she had to get under the house with the broom get bubble out of there because that cat was going to kill us too and then <sighs> she got her cat out and her cat was like 14 years old never been outside a day in her life and she got her cat back and i said okay i'm already interning as a pi for people at this at this time but i was like okay i gotta look into this and if if this is a real thing if there's really private investigators that find lost pets and they use dogs and if this is real, I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And that's how it happened. That's cool. And when did you, how long have you been doing, uh, how long have you had your business now? So I've had my agency since, um, like towards the end of 2015. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. So five years, six years now. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's really cool. I mean, again, that's just a, how many, how many PIs, PI detectives like that do you meet? That's just awesome. <laughs> Very cool. And so how, I'm curious, did you train your dogs yourself uh, to do? No, we were, no, we were all trained together. Okay. Okay, cool. So you, yeah. you, you had a, like a third party come in and teach you guys and teach the dogs together. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. How long did that process take? Um, it's probably like three to five months. Okay. Three to five. And then was it somewhere yeah. down here local, like in South Florida? No, it wasn't. It was, um, it was like off the record 20, it was like 25 hours away, but. Wow. Doesn't have a good ending, so it's off the record. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, a good ending yeah. that your dogs are, are are doing their job now, at least, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, working no, they, with you. they are. They're they're amazing. Yeah. We're definitely an amazing team. So I went from a uh, pet owner to a uh, canine handler, which is pretty cool. Definitely. It's uh, it's much different. <laughs> than working with people than handling people. 
No, no, no. Like, um, <laughs> no, I know. You know, going from like that normal like pet owner to yeah, yes. I mean, I'm still when I'm home and I'm with my animals, I'm of I'm course, still they... a, at home, a pet yeah. owner. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we're working, but then it's working time. It, it, yeah, you're in that a different frame of, of of mind, and everything is just it's just different. Do you do you, you know? have do you have a signal, or is it just the vest or anything like that that signals to them? You know, working time. Yeah, they have they have uh, harnesses, yeah. like vests, and I mean, when those vests are on, they're like, yeah, totally. You know, they're just like soldiers; they're just ready to go. That's awesome. So you know, sometimes, pretty- sometimes I'll use backpacks, you know, just filled with water bottles, just to give dogs an extra little something. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. amazing how even just that, you know, even dogs that aren't taught uh, to do any specific task or anything like that, it's really cool that once you put that on, it almost like focuses them on the walk yeah. because they, you know, they recognize the pattern and they realize it's working right. time a bit. Uh, totally. So it's really cool what that can do and, and signaling mm-hmm. and getting them into that zone. So yeah, I like that. No, like that. it is. They're completely different dogs. Like, yeah. I mean, they're like, they are crazy dogs when we're at home, you know, <laughs> I, they are, but like, silly example like well, i have like a photo shoot in my house and i'm like how the heck am i gonna do this with these crazy dogs because they're nuts but I, so when they had the photo i had the photo shoot you know so i'm gonna put their vests on as soon as their vests went, so, went on they were like let's do it Stoic, and yeah. i'm like right. <laughs> i was like so they're back like doesn't matter where they are put the vests on they think they're in work mode and they are in work mode and yeah. they're gonna behave and it's just funny because they're you know they're normal dogs when we're not working so yeah that's cool no even Mm -hmm. you know even my own dogs i i I consider my dogs as a working dog in the sense that we do you know we do a lot of work with um i'll do rehabilitation work with aggressive dogs or severely anxious dogs and especially my half lab half great dane where um, she's kind of going into retirement now she's getting to be an old girl and she has put in a (laughs) lot of hours but it's the same kind of thing like i actually i'll even though I don't put a vest on her when I do take her out on appointments or take any of my dogs, I'll open the door and kind of just give them just a little touch of, hey, work time. Uh, and they understand. Yeah. And it's really cool that, yeah, at home, they're dogs. They lay about. They go out and play yeah. and roll in the yard and act right. like dogs. Yep. Uh, but when it's work time, it's work time. And they know it. And I love it. Right. So my dogs are, in a sense, working dogs uh, in that regard. But exactly. Yeah. They can come home and still be a happy, fun, you know. Right. Goofy dog. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her, Fletcher's right here. There you go. Yeah. And for those of you that can't yep. see, I'm, I'm, of course you can't see because we're just doing the audio, but I get to see your pups yeah. laying on the couch there. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. I love it. Well, again, any of you guys listening out there, hey, you can check out uh, Jamie's website at Jamie Katz. That's J-A-M-I-E-K-A-T-Z, Jamie Katz Pet Detective. Dot com. If you guys know anybody out there who needs help finding a lost pet, you can definitely reach out to her. Check it out. Check out the website. And really, your website's awesome. I love it. It has your story. It has a lot of good stuff on there. So uh, check it out, guys. Reach out to her if you are in need of help finding a lost pet. And it was really good talking to you. And thank you so much, really, for your time and, and coming on and chatting. And just really interesting to hear about uh, such a different career involved with animals so it's so different from anybody i've talked to so far and uh it was a lot of fun so again thank you for coming on you're welcome thanks for having me thanks all right mm-hmm. all right see you later now any of you out there who've been listening to my show regularly you've heard me talk about southern pride gourmet foods now look this isn't an advertisement this is a straight up endorsement Ken Coe over at southern pride gourmet foods i know him very well he's a great guy small business owner And more importantly, his products are amazing. 
Look, I love to cook personally. I really do. I love to cook. I love to be in the kitchen and I, I try to get better. And I, I like to think of myself as a decent chef, <laughs> but I love using Ken's products in the kitchen because they're just so darn good. I can't stress it enough. They're incredible. Uh, look, I, I, I know some of you go, David, dogs and, and food products, they don't really go together. And you're right, they don't. But that's just it. That's how good these things are that I needed to come on my show and give Ken a shout out for this. Give him my endorsement because of how amazing his stuff is. You got to go check it out, guys. SouthernPrideGourmetFoods.com. He ships nationwide wide. You heard me right. Nationwide shipping. So go check it out. He's got spice rubs that I use on my steaks now all the time. He has got amazing olive oils. He's got barbecue sauces. The uh, spicy, like spicy, spicy apple butter barbecue sauce. That stuff is good. And you can also buy his jams and jellies. I've been using them not only on like toast, but I'm putting them on my proteins like barbecue chicken. Uh, actually, he makes a, a sweet potato butter. Oh, that was for dinner last night on my barbecue chicken. It was amazing, guys. I can't stress it enough. I'm going to say it again. SouthernPrideGourmetFoods.com. You got to go check it out. And of course, I have to give the endorsement of my favorite product of his, his beef jerky. Oh, he has a ton of different flavors. It practically melts in your mouth. It's literally, I'm not even exaggerating. It's literally the best beef jerky I have ever eaten. You know, I bought some beef jerky for my in-laws for Christmas from Ken. It's already gone and they've already reordered. <laughs> That's how good this stuff is, guys. I'm not joking around. I'm not messing around. Ken's a small business owner, a good local guy, and that's why I'm here to give him my endorsement and his stuff is incredible. Go check it out for yourself, southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Drop him an email. He's a great guy. You can talk to him directly. He'll make sure you get exactly what you need. Once again, southernpridegourmetfoods.com, where everything that they have is yummy for the tummy. Next on Speak Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. Today's first question comes from Amanda in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Amanda says, I had a dog previously who we loved so much, but her behavior was not perfect. She wasn't good with strangers. Uh, she had some aggression tendencies and a few other undesirables. We just got a new puppy and I don't want a repeat situation with his behavior. What's the best way to go about avoiding these things? Well, Amanda, you know, it's not really necessarily one thing that's going to cause possessive or aggressive tendencies in a dog. Um, and, you know, I don't know maybe how long you had your previous dog, if you'd gotten them as a young puppy, or maybe they were a little bit of a rescue, came with some baggage. But if you have a new puppy who's young and a blank slate, right, we haven't haven't done anything with them, uh, training is a nice, but really the best way to do it is to instill some, some rules and boundaries, right? Make sure you're instilling rules and boundaries consistently at an early age. Now, of course, that means rewarding desired behavior, right? We always want to treat with affection, uh, or excuse me, use treats and affection to increase and reward anything desired. And we do want to use rules, boundaries, consequences, punishment to decrease anything undesired. Um, establishing those boundaries early on and making them black and white and crystal clear that's what's going to help head off and avoid any of those undesired behaviors. Um, you do hear people talk about, oh, be the pack leader and show you're the alpha. Eh, no. Um, <laughs> look, it's not that I don't 
want my dog to view me as a leader. Of course I do. Of course I want my dog to view me as a leader. But it's not necessarily about being aggressive. It's just about, again, I'm just going to repeat it again because really that's what it's about. It's about putting consistent boundaries, consistent reinforcement as well in place to make your dog understand um, that there are some rules in place and they can't just do whatever they want because usually that's where the aggressive tendencies come from is a lack of boundaries. The dog ends up getting reinforced for some undesired behaviors and it kind of snowballs out of control. So just keep that in mind. Consistent boundaries, consistent rules, and consistent reinforcement. That's the key to creating a well-balanced puppy. The next question is from Taylor in New York City. Taylor asks, what vaccination should I be giving my dog? Now, this is a little bit different, right? Okay, so uh, first of all, just, I mean, to begin with, uh, most states, most states in the U.S. do require that you uh, have your dog have its rabies vaccine, right? So starting there, that's obviously number one. Rabies, you got to have. Um, there are some vaccines that we call core vaccines, right? Those are the vaccines that most dogs, if not every dog, right, should be having. Uh, that's the canine distemper. That's the adenovirus, which is the dog hepatitis, paravirus, and like I just said, rabies. Those are the core vaccines. Now, there are other non-core vaccines depending upon your dog's lifestyle, depending upon um, how and where you socialize your dog, will depend upon if they need those extra vaccinations. Now, those, some of those vaccinations are Bordetella, Lepto, canine flu, uh, those are some examples. Now, again, depending on if you take your dog to a boarding facility or a doggy day camp facility a lot, that'll depend upon the requirements and needs of your dog for vaccinations. Now, of course, you need to talk to your veterinarian and, and get with them so they can specifically know your dog, your breed, your age, all those sizes that come, and again, lifestyle, all those factors that come into play in determining what vaccinations you do need. But of course, there are those core vaccinations and then the non-core vaccinations. So absolutely speak with your veterinarian to get you on the right track and making sure you're giving your dog the correct vaccinations that they need. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in and a special thank you to private investigator Jamie Katz for joining on the guest spot. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, email me questions at speakadogcast.com. In the meantime, have a wonderful week and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog.